Well, good morning, friends. It's good to see all of you this morning that are here and all of you joining us through the live stream. This has a bit of deja vu to it, um, about a year and a half removed, but uh, yes, it's uh, good to be with you and I appreciate the privilege and the honor that uh, Sylvester asked me to come and share God's word with you this morning. Let's have a word of prayer for just a moment. Mighty God, may the words of my mouth this morning, may the meditations of my hearts bless you. Bless these brothers and sisters. Draw us closer to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Water has been in the news a lot recently. Either the lack of it, if you live on the West Coast, or if you live in the central states and to the East Coast and to the South, the more than abundance of it and how quickly it's come and how quickly at times it's overtaken us. Many of you have over the last several weeks experienced flooded basements or flooded homes or cars or I was talking with my brother last night uh, down where he lives south of Jacksonville. Farmers' fields are just standing and standing and standing in water. Um, I've also been thinking about our brothers and sisters in Haiti as well as those in Florida and uh, uh, Texas and up the coast as the water's taken over there. So water's been on my mind in many ways a lot lately for a lot of reasons, but it was really brought into focus a couple of weeks ago when on Friday, June the 5th, Home Sweet Home Ministries, their basement was filled with 38 inches of water. And in fact, uh, not only does Deb work at Home Sweet Home, there for a short period of time for 10 or 12 weeks, I worked at Home Sweet Home earlier this year doing maintenance work for them. As they got this 38 inches of water in the basement, I was reminded where the boiler was located, the four hot water heaters, all of their washers and dryers, all of their food storage, all of the supply storage for the residents, all of the cleaning supplies, and it goes on and on and on. And you can see some of the pictures here. That room right there with that turned over freezer had four chest freezers full of frozen turkeys. The chest freezers floated to the top and flipped over. And there were frozen turkeys flowing throughout the basement. (laughs) Not to mention the inches upon inches of mud that was there as well. So, Now, all the residents are fine, and all the residents were cared for, albeit maybe just in a different way than they had experienced, but the hundreds of thousands of dollars of damage literally was kind of staggering. As I stood there where I had stood in front of those garage doors many times uh, and watched them caved in, as well as this enormous freezer compressors literally picked up and moved sideways. I thought there was a river that came ripping through here. And literally, there was a river. The manhole covers were floating in the streets. It was uncontrolled. Deb and I were sitting on the couch. I think it was that Monday night. I had, they had, I had offered to go over and help them sort through some things. And of course, Deb deals with all the client service issues. And We were sitting on the couch a bit tired that night, and I don't remember which one of us said that water is such a powerful thing. 
when it's good and controlled, it does wonderful things. And when it's out of control, it can be devastating. As I was sitting there thinking about that that night, I thought to myself, and this image came to my mind as I was thinking about the the massive amount of water it took to buckle those garage doors and move those compressors, the river of water flowing through this part of Bloomington. I was thinking about the rivers of water that Jesus talked about here in John. Waters that uh, when, you know, water is so needed and at times, but when it's uncontrolled, it creates such a disaster. And then Jesus was talking here about the rivers of living water. My mind drifted for a moment to what a Christian looks like if it has a river in them. And is it a river of living water? Or what kind of a river is it? With Christ, I think good things can come out of that river of living water. But without Christ, I wonder. Then my mind began to do I mean, I haven't preached a lot in the last year and a half. Once at Calvary. Now, the good thing is, and I checked with Isaac to make sure this morning, we still have a clock in the back because I have no sense of time. I'm just telling you up front. (laughs) But do people have rivers flowing within them? Is there a river of grace and kindness? Is there a river of meanness and ugly? Is there a river that's controlled or a river that's uncontrolled? And what does that water look like? Uh, On that Saturday morning following that Friday night, Deb and I were over at Home Sweet Home and I was looking in the basement down the ramp and the mud and the muddy water and the muck was just staggering that was in there. Is river or, or water, is water clean and pure? Or is it dirty, filled with debris and filled with mud? Is it helping to provide nourishment for you and others? Or is it destroying people? Is it drinkable, is it not drinkable? Are rivers of water manifested in other things than just simply H2O? Maybe in words or actions or thoughts And then I just left it dot, 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 because I thought I could go on and on here. I think about our nation and the rivers of water flowing through our country. Rivers that look like words and actions, prejudices and fears, goodness and kindness, love and hatred, humility and arrogance. What kind of rivers do we have flowing more than just on FUD days? So I just had a couple random thoughts. You know how, I was around here a year or two, you know how my random thoughts sometimes go. Began to think about random thoughts of water. One that's such a powerful thing, two that it's really, really good or it can be really, really bad. We need it, we all need it to survive. I know some of you thought you needed coffee to survive in the morning, but hint, it's made with water. And some of us think Diet Coke is needed to survive, but it might be made with water as well. God created this water. It makes up about two-thirds of our earth. It makes up most of our blood. It makes up 90% of our bodies. We can survive without food for six weeks. I know we don't think we can, but we can. But we cannot survive without water for more than a week at the very most. 
And then I got to thinking about the history of water in our spiritual journey, not only our spiritual journey, your spiritual journey, my spiritual journey, but also got to thinking about water in the spiritual journey of our faith, such as the waters of the Red Sea when they were parted, or the waters of baptism. I began to think Jesus and the disciples on the boat when he said, be still. And I began to think about the scripture, which I included this morning of uh, the conversation between Jesus and the woman at the well. I think it'd be fun to take a journey through the scriptures and pick up all the places where water is mentioned and all the context that it's mentioned in. But that'll have to wait for some other day, I think. But I do want to look at the words of Jesus this morning here in the Gospel of John. Look at the context for just a moment so we understand the power behind it. Jesus was in the middle of celebrating. In fact, it was the last day of the Festival of Booths, or Festival of the Tabernacle, that was being celebrated. There were three feasts the Jewish people celebrated. One was the Passover. Um, I could explain that, but I, I don't want to go into all of that this morning. The second was the Feast of Pentecost. I did want to make just a comment. That's not the same as our Pentecost. Their Pentecost was a celebration for the first fruits of the harvest, and it was also a celebration that would remind the children of Israel about the day when Moses received the law of God from Mount Sinai. And then there was a third feast, this Feast of Tabernacles, or Feast of Booths. And it had two things about it, uh, historical significance. I think we got a picture. We think about that's what the, the booths or the tabernacle uh, might have looked like. It was designed not to be very covering, but it was designed to remember and help remind the children of Israel what they experienced in the desert season when they were out there, when they had no homes and they had no covering. Now, this thing could be put in the temple carts if you didn't live in Jerusalem, but if you lived in that area, it could also be put up on your rooftop, but that's where you were to stay during this Feast of the Tabernacles or Feast of the Booths. And this remembrance was a thing that the the Jewish people were really much better about that than we are, about remembering their history about remembering what God had taught them in the past to remind them, hopefully, so they wouldn't make the same mistakes over and over and over again. I don't know that that worked really well for them at times, but anyway, they celebrated a number of feasts. So one of them was, one of the reasons for this Feast of the Booths or Tabernacles was to remind them about the first fruits. The second part of this, again, somewhat historical and yet somewhat deeply rooted in their very being was to remind them and they were to celebrate the harvest for the year. This would have been a great sermon if it had been around our Thanksgiving time to have preached because that's kind of what the Feast of the Booth or Tabernacles was all about, to give God thanks for the fruit of the year, for the harvest of the year, for the water that was given during the year. And it was a time to celebrate that. And it was interesting as I was doing some reading and studying, it was not just for rich people to celebrate, but it was for everybody, the servant, the slave, the person who received, the person who grew, the person who harvested. And it was meant to be a time of just universal joy. And from what I understand, this feast was the one that was the one that was the most popular throughout the year. Now here's where I'm gonna tie this in to what Jesus said and the water. Each day during the Feast of Booth or Tabernacles, 
somebody would take and would draw from the pool of Siloam. You remember that was the pool of healing. Somebody would take about two pints of water in a golden jar, and it was carried to the temple and carried to the altar in the temple with all of the folks following along, singing the words from Psalm 113 to 118. And the shortest version of that that I, that I came up with was just, oh, give thanks to the Lord. And they would sing this all the way to the temple. Again, it was a, a dramatic moment of giving thanks to God for water and giving thanks to God for crops and a remembrance for them if some of you remember your Old Testament history, when the children left, were out in the wilderness for 40 days and, or 40 years, that Moses would strike a rock. And what would come up out of that rock? Water would come up out of that rock. It was to remind them of God's provision for them, even in really hard and difficult times. And it was on this last day of this celebration that Jesus spoke. And this is, again, I just want to read this to you again. This is what he said. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. As he was talking with this Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus said, the water I give him will become in him like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Then from Isaiah 58, and the Lord will guide you continually, satisfy your desire with good things, and make your bones strong, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters fail not. The meaning, I think, here is that Jesus can give to a person this refreshment of the Holy Spirit for their soul, for their innermost being, for the Jewish people, the heart was the place of intellect. Their kidneys and stomach and innermost parts was a part of their emotions. So it was from the intellect and from your emotions, from your heart and from your innermost being, that this river of living water would flow out. With the intention tied closely into eternal life, but also thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. That we might experience that here today and for this moment. As Jesus was promising, I think, a cleansing, a refreshing, a life-giving stream, I hope it pray this morning it might turn our hearts and minds to what it would be like to be revitalized or be purified or let that new life flow within us in a very powerful and strong way once again. Jesus says this, a couple of things. If you're making notes, this is where you can write one, two, three, four, or five. I can't remember. He says, if you are thirsty, there's first of all got to be a recognition for us to experience this river of living water from the Holy Spirit, a recognition of God, a recognition of Jesus, a recognition of the Holy Spirit. If you've ever been out working in the heat of the day, my brother's a carpenter, I was talking to him last night. They were working out on a farmer's little hunting shack out at the top of a hill, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday last week. Do any of you remember how blessed wonderfully hot it was. 
It's very easy on those days, even though we know we need to drink something, we don't recognize how dried out we are and to experience heat stroke or something else. Fortunately, that didn't happen today. But it had happened to my dad. He just kept working and he had a heat stroke. And so sometimes it has to be a recognition of what we need. A recognition of whether that's peace or joy or happiness or something within us that brings a measure of wholeness to us. I fear to go very far down this road this morning, but let me just say, I think there's a country in this world called the United States of America that needs a recognition of the mightiness of God, of the awesomeness of God, of the completeness of God, of the hope of God, of the peace of God. Let me just drop it there lest I chase a rabbit, which I might have been known to do on a time or two. He said, so if you're thirsty, you come, but you got to come. If you want water, rivers of living water, if you want this hope, if you want a peace, you got to come to me. Now, the neat thing is, is that God's everywhere, all the time, every place, just as Jesus is, just as the Holy Spirit is, so we don't have to come very far. Maybe just to stop for a moment and say, sweet Jesus, come. But we have to come. It's interesting, I was reading something the other day. It was, it was a little depressing, uh, frankly, back in the 70s, maybe 80%, 88% of our nation identified itself as Christians. I used to look at those numbers and say, hmm. However, it's only 44% today. There's less of a recognition of God, or of God as God, or something's going on. Maybe their computers got attacked by some foreign government. I don't know. You figure that one out. But I just know that there seems to be a lack of recognition, and I don't know about this coming thing. I'm not sure that's working out real well for us either. And then it said, drink, Jesus said. He said, you got to recognize, you got to come, and then you got to drink. I'm an old farm boy, and so this old adage, some of you will relate to, but you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You ever heard that? You can, get po- you can just give people grace over grace over grace and love over love over love, but they got to gotta take it in. They got to receive it somehow. And then to believe. You know, I was trying to think of a way to, to somehow capture believe in maybe a little bit different way. And when I try something once, I kind of think about it. But when it's good, and I come back to it a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time, and a fifth time, I think I'm moving into believing in it. Do we believe in Almighty God, everlasting God? And then he didn't include this, but I did. Now you got to let it happen. You just got to let it happen. Let the living waters of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit brings, the living waters of Jesus begin to flow through you, and you will begin to experience something. Maybe it will be hope from hopelessness. Maybe it will be to calm the fears of the fearful. Maybe it will be a love for those who think they're not lovable or not worry. 
This river of living water changes hearts and minds and souls. I want us to remember in the midst of this that the spirit-controlled river of living water does not destroy people and it does not destroy lives because it is controlled by God. That river of living water that the Holy Spirit brings to us as those who call upon the name of Jesus, how, how old we are in the faith or how young we are in the faith, that is controlled by God. And my prayer is that river of living water will lift people up. It will bring them hope, it will bring them peace, it will bring them joy, it will bring them light. And then the final thought I had is this question, and I reflected inwardly on myself, and I share this thought with you this morning. What kind of rivers flow out of you? If indeed we have something flowing out of us, and whether we want to admit it or not, all of us, whether it's the river of living water or the river of some other water, we always have something flowing out of us. Now, some of you are quiet people, and it doesn't appear that you have as much flowing out of you. Others of you are more verbose. And you know what's flowing out of you. <laughs> but it's just interesting. Question to ask yourself and to ponder, what's flowing out of us? A river of kindness, a river of gentleness, a river of peace, a river of love, a river of joy, or is it a river of hatred and judgment self-righteousness, fear. What do you want to flow out of you? I want the river of living water of the Holy Spirit to flow out of me that brings kindness and gentleness and meekness and self-control, love, joy, and peace, those fruits of the Spirit. I want that to come out of my mouth and out of my eyes and out of my ears, and I believe we need to have all the believers stand up and live this with the river of living water. Now, if your stream's a little dry, his name is Jesus. If you got a little stagnation in there, his name is Jesus. If you've got just a little bit of mud in your river this morning, his name is Jesus. If you want that living water flowing out of you that the Holy Spirit brings, Simply call on the name of Jesus, and it can begin to flow out of you into our world. Um, I have a thought of what that might look like. Doesn't that look nice? That beats the Dickens out of the Mississippi River, wiping things out. That beats the Dickens out of the uh, river flowing down a street in Bloomington wiping stuff out. It's under control, it's good, it's clean, and yet there's power behind it. And I'm thinking today, brothers and sisters in Christ, that if our light so shines before men, they will know, people will know that God's love is real. 
Would you pray with me this morning? Mighty awesome God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful, God, for your grace. We're thankful for your mercy directed towards us. And we pray, Holy Spirit, you might come and fill us this morning with a river of living water that's powerful and life-changing and circumstance-changing and situation-changing, a river of living water that's grace-filled with joy and with peace and with kindness. We love you and we praise you this day. Jesus, in your mighty name, and God's people said, Amen.